0: Well, greetings New Hope Church, it's so great to see you on this mid-summer Sunday. Can we just give it up for Pastor Harry? I'm so thankful, so grateful that Harry's able to be with us here this weekend. It's been a lot of fun uh, just engaging him these past uh, few days, and for him to come and lead us in worship along with our incredible team with Emily. Vincent, our uh, Interim Worship Director. What, a, what great hands we're in, and we're so thankful for that. Well, it's great to be with you. My name is Matthew. For those of you who are uh, new here, I want to welcome you warmly to New Hope Church. We're just delighted that you're with us as we gather here today. For those of you who may be joining us online, welcome to New Hope Church here in the Minneapolis area. I know a number of you do worship with us online. I hear about it regularly, even just last night was with some friends, and they were talking about uh, that uh, their uh, church family is New Hope Church, even though they live in a completely different part of the Twin Cities, and and to be able to connect is something very meaningful. So thank you. Welcome to you. It's great to be with you. And uh, listen, here in just a few days, our student ministry is going to be heading to Colorado, to Loveland, Colorado, for a, a mission work project. They're going to be doing uh, projects ranging from horse therapy. Does that not sound like fun? They're going to be horsing around. And then um, to uh, food shelf work, uh, as well as other cleanup kind of things on behalf of some ministry that, are, is, that is there in the Loveland, Colorado area. I'm so excited for them. And I want to give a special word of just gratitude to all of you because through your kindness and generosity, uh, a lot of these students are able to go because of your financial support. So can we just praise the Lord for His kindness in that way? And uh, I'm so excited. They're leaving on July 22nd, so again, here in just a few days. And what I'd like to do is pray for them right now, and, uh, and then also pray as we uh, step into our message today. So let's pray together. Thank you, oh God, that you are so good and kind, merciful and powerful. And we thank you, Lord, for your kindness through a financial generosity and how we're able to send a couple dozen students uh, on this mission endeavor here uh, in just a few days. And we pray that it will be a life-changing experience for them, that the intensity and proximity of uh, serving you together and learning under leaders who love them and can disciple them, that this will not only be a life-changing thing for them, but it will bring much good to the community in which they find themselves. So we bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that we can come together to worship as we have here today. And as we spend time in this, uh, your Bible, this love letter from you to us, uh, would you uh, instruct our hearts and help us to grow closer to Jesus? He is our God and King. We love him so much. And we want to honor him and be close to him, to move toward him. Uh, moment by moment, so help us now. May this be part of that. We pray this, uh, Father, uh, trusting your Spirit to make it all come about for us and for your glory. And God's people said together, "Amen, Amen." Well, uh, as we've alluded to already, we're starting a new series called "The Body of Christ," and one of our prevailing purposes in this new series is to explore what does it mean to even be the church? What is the church all about? What's it for? Why does it exist? What is our place within this thing called church? I just need to tell you straight up, I know listening to my voice right now are folks that are brand new to all of this. you You're coming into this kind of a space, and this may be one of your very first times ever in your lives. Others of us, like myself, my earliest memories as a human being are being at church with my mom and dad. I am a churchman through and through. I mean, that is the core of who I am. Uh, My roots are that deep, and I just love the church, and all of it's good, bad, and sometimes ugly, and sometimes it can be that's all the more reason for us to understand from the Scriptures, what is this thing all about? And we're gonna do that, the Lord willing, uh, over the next few weeks. We're gonna discern something about why does it matter and what's our place. And one of our motives for this is to animate our love for Jesus, who loves the church, who loves us. Another motive for us is to, is, is to uh, understand more fully What our mission is as a people of God. Another motive for us is to strengthen our bonds together as sisters and brothers, as a church family. And perhaps along the way, we'll grow in our joy and appreciation of church, but also maybe for those of us, and there are a number of us, me included, who have some hurts because of church, maybe we'll find the Lord healing that as well. That would be good, wouldn't it? So, here's what I want to do. I want to share with you a definition. You're going to see it on the screen in front of you. Uh, If you're at home, it'll be right there, Uh, it'll be right here behind me on the screens. Let me just preface this, all right? All right, actually, take it down for a second, if you would, because I—yeah, thank you. I just—I don't want to—I want everybody to listen here and not just read that for a second. I am going to totally nerd out on you in this series here, okay? I'm just going to—I'm going to warn you now. And so this definition is tried and true, and I'm telling you, I have honed this definition for about 20 years or more, uh, just, just finally wordsmithing it, if you will. Uh, it's long, I mean, you're going to be thinking, really, this is melatonin on a screen right here, okay? Uh, it is long, but if you'll bear with me, and what we're going to do, my goal would be that over the next few weeks, we not look at every single piece, but most of the pieces we will take as a sermon, Okay, so most of the parts of this definition will then be a sermon that we're going to uh, step into in these weeks. And uh, so, okay, here we go. Let's put it back up. Thank you. You guys are so patient. Here we are. The church is that fellowship of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, which, which crafted and empowered by the Holy Spirit and guided by the Word of God is called to wait upon and worship God as it represents and promotes His redemptive plan among the nations, or among all peoples, however you want to put that. You know what I want to do? I'm going to, I'm going to just force this on you. I want us all to read this together. Ready? Let's do that together right now. This, this is New Hope's Uh, this This is a New Hope liturgy for the day. Let's read this together. Ready? The church is that fellowship of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, which, crafted and empowered by the Holy Spirit and guided by the Word of God, is called to wait upon and worship God as it represents and promotes His redemptive plan among all peoples. Thank you so much for doing that. And we'll be visiting this, over and over again in these, in, uh, these weeks ahead. But what I want to do today is give attention to that first line, the church is that fellowship of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to focus there today. For our few minutes, the church is that fellowship of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm under the conviction— that the church began on the day of Pentecost in the year 33 A.D., some weeks after Jesus ascended into the heavenly places. I understand, trust me, I know this and I respect this deeply. I understand that there is a large body of theologians who would say that the church is the new Israel, and that it is uh, merely an extension of Israel of old, as we see in the Old Testament, and I get that. And there certainly are common elements that are shared. I I have no doubt about that, but my conviction is that the church itself is a unique uh, entity, a unique organism, a a unique um, community began on the day of Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2 helps uh, me see this. And just listen here for a, a moment or two uh, as, I, as I read just some snippets from Acts chapter 2. So, by way of context, though, first, so here you have the apostle Peter and, and the apostles, the disciples that had followed Jesus, and they're gathering there in the city of Jerusalem. And on a particular day, this extraordinary thing happens where the Holy Spirit Uh, comes upon them powerfully. Well, here's how it unfolds. This was powerful. It was jarring. It was prophesied. The Lord Jesus himself had said, this thing is going to happen. The previous chapter, that was a part of Acts chapter 2 that I just read. The previous chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, puts forward these words. Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends into heaven, he says, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. So Jesus said this was going to happen, and sure enough, weeks later, boom, the Holy Spirit arrives in this unusual manifestation of power and presence. And thus began the church. And I want you to see the wide scope of it, the diversity of it. Sometimes people ask me, how come New Hope Church uh, has as a stated vision being a Christ-centered community for all peoples? One of a number of reasons is because the very moment we see the church of Jesus Christ uh, explode onto the scene, it is a collection of all peoples. Look with me here, Acts chapter 2. Verses uh, 5 and following. You should see it here on your screen. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Notice, every nation under heaven. Now, let me pause. Spiritually, in this particular moment, they were religiously speaking, spiritually speaking, Jews, but ethnically and culturally, they were from all over. Notice this. At the sound of the multitude... Uh, at, and, and at this sound, that is to say the Holy Spirit coming on them that I just read a few moments ago, uh, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these, like Peter, for example, the apostle Peter, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? They're Jews from the northern reaches of the area called Galilee. How is it that we hear each one of us His own native language. And then notice this, the next slide here, Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. This is awesome, right? Right there in the city of Jerusalem, you have all these spiritually-minded people coming, but they're from all the nations. And now suddenly, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And So the moment the church erupts onto the scene is a moment where God takes many tribes and tongues and brings them all together under one banner, and that's the banner of Jesus. All right, so we wonder why does New Hope Church want to be a Christ-centered community for all people? Well, we just look in the Word of God. We see the history of God. We see the work of God. And we see this has been his heart from the very beginning of the church. The very beginning. Well, in the first part of chapter two, we see the Holy Spirit break out upon these from many nations, and it's a marvelous thing, and they come together, and, and, if, and I will encourage you to read this. You should take time and read through Acts chapter two in its totality, and hear the apostle Peter as he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ, and thousands of people call on this Jesus and become born again. This is the beginning of the church. It is an amazing story. By the time we get to the end of Acts chapter 2, we see that there is this fellowship of spirit-filled believers. And one of the more famous verses that describe the church is Acts chapter 2, verses 42, 43, and 44. We'll see them right here. So these newly formed spirit-filled believers from all the nations devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, there's a lot in those few verses, and we can't possibly cover all of it. But there are some things to be observed here that I do want us to give attention to. And one of the first things is this. Uh, I, just, I want to just highlight a, a few observations about what we just read. And one of the very first things simply is this. Their fellowship is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, all right? I want you to know this with me. Their fellowship is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, this Jesus. Remember, my definition, uh, the church is made up of a fellowship of believers in the Lord Jesus. They have faith in Jesus. They believe in Jesus That's what the Apostle Peter has proclaimed. If you'll read through Acts 2, you'll see that. Jesus has told them, look, the Holy Spirit's going to come and be a witness to me. And those who gather together under Jesus' name, they they are rooted in this Jesus. It's all about this Jesus. this, This Jesus who was the prophet, priest, and king, chosen and anointed by God to redeem sinners and to make all things new. This Jesus, who was born of a virgin and lived a sinless and transformative life, and who on a certain traumatic evening was betrayed by a friend, and arrested by the authorities, and tried in a farcical court of religious law, and then he was tortured and crucified, and executed, killed on a Roman cross. And three days later, he rose from the dead, alive. Death could not hold him back. And he stepped out of that tomb into the bright, sunny uh, morning of, of Jerusalem, resurrected, alive, triumphant. And then He ascended into the heavenly realms, and right now He intercedes for you and me before His Father at the right hand of God, what the theologians call having session with His Father. And one day, friends, He's going to return in triumphant glory. He's going to come back and take us to be with Him. And at that point will be the consummation of all things. All things will be made new, and we will not only anticipate it, but it will be realized. And I can't wait for that day. I can't wait. This Jesus, by the way, he is worth your allegiance. And I know in a room like this, or those listening elsewhere, hear me right now, there may, be, there may be one of you even, just one, that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and today is the day that that changes. Today is the day that you say, I am a sinner, I'm broken. Shame and regret uh, define my life. I have no hope, so I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. And I hear that Jesus is God's provision for my salvation, and that through Jesus I can have eternal purpose, and through Jesus I can really live. And so, right now is the time to call on this Jesus, to admit your need for him, and to believe that he is indeed God's provision for your salvation, for your redemption. And to confess him as Lord and Savior, right now, you might pray something like this Lord, Jesus, I am a sinner, I'm broken, I'm tired, I'm scrambling to make my life work, all to no avail, and I have. Uh, come to hear today that you are God's provision by which I may be saved and can have a new life where my sins can be forgiven and I can have hope both now and forever. And so I call unto you in faith and I ask you to be my savior and to be my master. And I surrender my life to you and ask you to have your way with me. And I do so now in faith and confidence, uh, however new it all is for me. I do so in your holy name. Amen. Make that be so, right? Right? You know what this Jesus has done? According to uh, the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, just listen to some of these words here to describe the work of Jesus as it relates to the church. And so, I'm looking in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going uh, to look in verse 14. He himself is our peace, And he has made us one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new person in place of the two, making peace. And he might reconcile us to God in one body through the cross, killing hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far off, peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So therefore, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the Cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This is this is the word of God telling us about uh, the effect of Jesus' life and how it brings us together into one new humanity, one fellowship. And so, this fellowship, this church, is rooted in this in this Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul would tell us in Colossians chapter one, verse. Uh, 18, these words, he says, He, the, the, that is Jesus, is the head of all, or head of the body, the church. He's the head of it. I'm not the head of it. Jesus Christ is the head of it. I'm just an under shepherd here serving alongside fellow sisters and brothers. Jesus is the head of this church. He's the head of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In all things, he might be preeminent. Fellowship is rooted in Jesus. Here's the second thing. Fellowship is shaped by authoritative teaching. All right? Fellowship is shaped by authoritative teaching. We see this in the text. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says that the, the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right? And that word for devoted has this idea of a doggedness. They were resilient. They were hardcore uh, into, paying attention, committed uh, to what? To just any teaching? No, to the teaching of those who have been raised up by God to proclaim the Word of God with a thus saith the Lord kind of authority. Uh, this is so important. God had raised up ministry leaders to proclaim His Word, and, and He still does that. And He charges them to be faithful to the scriptures so that the body of Christ, so that the fellowship of believers, so that the new humanity can look like Christ, be like Christ, love like Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it is so important for us to be people of the word. This is why in the Evangelical Free Church of America, of which we are a part, we like to say that we are people of the book. This is the book. And God in his kindness has raised up women and men who will communicate the richness of the scriptures to us so that we can grow and be more like Jesus. The apostle uh, Paul uh, puts it this way. He speaks of preaching and teaching the whole counsel of God. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, here's something that he gives voice to. Second Timothy chapter 3 finds Paul, if we wonder what is the whole counsel of God, uh, Paul says, well, it is the sacred writings, it's the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture, he says, is breathed out by God and profitable. For teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. That the person of God, that's you, may be complete, equipped for every good. Work. You'll notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that the uh, uh, devotion to the teaching of the ministry leaders, of the apostles, actually comes prior to or just before the notation about fellowship. Here's why. The teaching has to come before the fellowship so that the teaching shapes the substance and the credibility and the character of the fellowship. So it's not just some some random collection of people, but it is a people that have come together in the name of Jesus and under his banner of righteousness and justice and goodness. This is why the teaching of the word is so important. And by the way, we need to be a people. We need to continue to be a people eager to know the word of God. Not so we can be fat and happy. But so, we can look like Jesus and love like Him in every realm in which we find ourselves. And I have, as one of those, commissioned by God to be a teacher of the Scriptures. Man, God's going to hold me accountable. And that is extremely sobering to me. And when I look at 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, for example, where we just were. I. I, I, I read uh, a passage like this of uh, verse 10. You have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Uh, these are the things Paul's talking about. And I'm like, wow, people are paying attention. So I have to be one humbling myself before God. He's one day going to say, Matthew, St. John, did you teach my word faithfully or not? Because I'm going to hold you to it. And so, we all have a role of being dogged about uh, honoring the authority of the Scriptures. And that is a big part of what shapes our character as a people of faith. Well, there's a third thing here. Look with me. Fellowship is built at the table. And by table here, we mean the Lord's Supper. We celebrate this about once a month or so here at New Hope Church. Uh, we did so a couple weeks ago. We will do so again here uh, in two or three more weeks. And on that particular day, we'll actually take some more extended time and talk about it and teach more in-depth about it. But what I want to say to you right now is this. According to uh, what we see the, uh, the believers doing in Acts chapter 4, uh, they come together. Uh, it says here that, that uh, uh, in their—I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 2, they come together. Uh, there in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread. This is the Lord's Supper, dining together before God. The celebration of the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, he tells us uh, in 1 in Corinthians chapter 10, he says, look, it's the Lord's Supper that unifies us together into the person of Jesus and I, I like how these scholars, John Stallback and, and David Balch, put it. They, they say this right here. Uh, they, they tell us the unity of the Christian body, that is the church, was represented in the sharing of the bread at the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. When we share together uh, the Lord's table, even in the awkward, pragmatic way that we often do it with the little wafers and the little cups, when we share together, We are saying we are united with him, and we are united together. Did you hear me, church? We're saying we're united to Jesus, and we are united together, okay? It's a a very important moment for us. And then there's a fourth thing about this fellowship. I want you to notice here. Fellowship is marked by transcendence. This relates to worship. And you see here uh, in the text, Uh, In verse 43, awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done. And the issue there is they were in awe of God. And he was on the move. And they noticed. And they celebrated him. They honored him. They were in awe of God. And we need to be a people in awe of him so that, listen to me here. He has the central Place in our lives. He has the central place in our lives. Everything ought to be about Him for Him. When we gathered here a little bit ago to worship in song, we're not just singing, and contrary to common practice, it's not just the warm up for the sermon, right? No. As a matter of fact, Uh, This past week, uh, we had a consultant in with the search firm helping us in our national search for a new worship leader. And uh, she and I were sitting in my office talking, and we're we're just talking about philosophy of worship. And I said to her, I said, you need to understand something, and I want you to understand this as well. For me, the worship, the singing is not the warm-up act for the sermon. I I decry that mentality. For me— it's all together part of a narrative designed to make Jesus famous. Our singing, our time in the Word, our fellowship together as we gather, all of this, all of this is actually recognizing the worthship of Christ. And it's, it all goes hand in hand when we are together. So the preaching is a part of the broader narrative of we glorify God, and we see His goodness fall upon us, and the singing is part of that, and our time together is part of it's all part of the same narrative, all right? Of being in awe of Him, and I I want to beg you and plead with you that when you come into this moment, whether you are uh, far away or right here in this particular space. Let us engage both the word and the song and the fellowship as an act of worship of our most high God. That we would be, as it were, living out what the earliest Christians embodied, awe of God. All right? Let us be those people. Let it be reflected in your devotion, your dogged devotion to the teaching of the word. Let it be reflected in your dogged crying out in song as we sing, like we will again here in just a few minutes. Well, I can go on and on, and there's so much from these verses that we could unpack. But what I want to do right now is is begin to wrap up this part of our worship with three action items. And you're going to see them right here. Here's the first one. Have the right posture, have the right posture as a group of believers, a fellowship of men and women united together in Jesus' name. We need to have the right posture, the right kind of heart attitude. I I want you to hear me, church. This is a moment where I want to offer a particular kind of clarity. God, the triune God, hates our arrogance, our condescension, and our judgmentalism. And there is no place for that within the fellowship of believers of Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? He hates it. There is no place for that kind of mentality within the church family. Let the world embody all those things, but God's people should never embody those things. We never see Jesus bear himself that way ever, and we need to be like Jesus. We need to be like him. We need to have the posture, the attitude of, of humility. Humility ought to be our prevailing, prevailing posture, a restorative, reparative, grace oriented bent is requisite for us. When people see us, they ought to see us giving witness to the beauty and majesty of Jesus, not the ugliness of sinful hearts. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul is crystal clear about such in the book of Philippians in chapter two. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. This ought to be our posture. We need to, we need to be a people who have this posture secondly secondly we need to be a people that live out our purpose and we all have a purpose before a holy god all of us who are in christ have spiritual gifts that's a whole other conversation to be had all of us have a mandate a purpose We as a church have a purpose. Sometimes people wonder about that. Well, what's the purpose of New Hope Church? What what is our our direction or our strategies and this sort of thing? Well, we've been real clear about this. It's obvious. And we talk about it all the time. We start off our our, uh, seasons really in depth talking about these things. Among those things include these four values— of the first value is is that of of helping the spiritually hungry experience the saving power of Jesus Christ this is proclaiming the gospel another value another value is growing together as disciples moving toward Jesus growing together knowing him more drawing closer to him connecting with him a, a, a third value is is serving Those who are around us so that they can experience the mercies of God. Another value is striving to be a community where every tongue and tribe and people and nation can come together and flourish under the name of Jesus. We talk about these things all the time. This is our mission as a church, and this is your mission as the people of God. Share the gospel, grow together with other believers, serve those who need God's mercy, and live in a community that looks like that which will cry out glory to the Lamb that was slain from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. We've got our mandate. We've got it, and we need to lean into it. We need to live out our purpose. Next action item, and I want you to really listen to this one with me. Here we go keep your eyes on Jesus. You may say, of course, that's the Jesus juke answer. Every Sunday school class for elementary kids, well, what was, what's this singer? what's that, Jesus? Well, okay, keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, let, me, let me speak into that as I close. Some of us have been deeply wounded by church, and we're on the verge of giving up, And I don't mean just this church, although maybe. I mean just church, the big C. And many of you have heard of terminology like deconstruction, where people who have grown up in the church are so-called deconstructing their faith or walking away. And I want you to know with some measure of authority from where I stand, that it's not because those who are... Defining themselves that way, they're not just looking to go out and have a wild time unrestrained. For many of them, they're just responding to deep hurt by church people who are far more concerned with the idols of politics and power. And the hypocrisy that is demanded to try to keep hold of those things than they are the way of Jesus. They're hurt by seeing churches and families living into worldly commodities in order to preserve platforms as opposed to the way of Jesus. And I just want to say, if you're one of those hurting, keep your eye on Jesus, because He will never let you down. Do you hear this, friends? I'm going to let you down. New Hope Church is going to let you down. Every church in this part of the Twin Cities is going to let you down. And the Big C Church is going to let you down, but Jesus Christ will never let you down. And if you're one of those hurting, I want you to hear from me whether it was because of this family or another family that you've had some connection to. As a pastor for almost 30 years and as a churchman whose earliest memory in my life is being at a church with my mom and dad, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that it's been so hurtful and hard and that you've been shown the world's ways instead of the way of Jesus, even through often well-meaning people who claim the name of Christ. For all of us, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's our pole star. He's the one who, who ought to capture all of our affections and ought to be the prevailing expression of all of our energy. This Jesus, who he is, what he's about, his suffering, his life, his coming again. His good news that all things will be made new. We need to keep our eyes on him. Uh, The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Sisters and brothers, the fellowship of believers as healthy, humble, holy, and honorable, it keeps its eyes on Jesus. Let's, let's do that. Let's do that together. Would you stand with me? Gracious Father, for those who are wounded by church that doesn't keep its eyes on Jesus but has its eyes fixated on the world, please heal them and show them that you see them, and you know them by name, and they're precious to you. For us who are sitting here today and in a fresh and new way are reminded that, that uh, our roots are in Christ, that the Scripture has authority, and even those who bear it on some level are commissioned with such and will be held accountable, may we be dogged in our endeavor to grow and to learn under your word. May we be a people, O oh God, in a fresh and new way who strive for unity because of the body and blood of Jesus. May we be in awe of you always, always, triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, with a posture that is life giving, with a spirit committed to mission and our eyes ever on our king oh god of heaven my god i need you we need you our god we need you now we need you now oh meet us right here in this place we pray and all of god's people said our fellowship said amen